Hi, Doug. Happy Inauguration Eve, Karen. So excited. Not to timestamp us, but timestamping away. I'm so excited. We, we might be on the threshold of a major change. I am hoping. I mean, I, like, I'm almost afraid to, like, jinx it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to say something, and then it's going to, like, all fall apart. But, like, I'm so I, tempted to I be, know. like, you know, by the, by the time this goes live... Our long national nightmare will be over. That's right. That's right. No, I don't expect any change to happen overnight. But I do feel there might be just a general sense in the air of like, maybe everything isn't always horrible. Maybe our sense, maybe we're not pushed to the brink of always wanting to snap and lash out. Well, I just feel, yeah, I feel like we'll at least have hope again. I don't know what that is. Yeah. What is hope? I know. I know. Feels like, you know, can you imagine like four years of hopelessness? That's basically what we've had. Yeah. Four years of like wallowing in a sea of negativity. Mm-hmm. It's been terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It has been terrible. Like our collective mental health is probably just like in the, like in the toilet. Well, and I'm sure our physical health is as a result of the same. Oh well, pandemic too. Yeah. Did you see? You know. Did you see? Um, it was like June or July. Uh, there was an article about. From, I think it was actually here in New York, but a dentist who was seeing all these new patients who had ground their teeth and they were all yeah. chipped and fractured. So yeah, it was you know, stra- yeah. Who yeah. knows? Who knows what else happened? Even for the people that were healthy. Yeah. Um. So yeah, a, a new day is about to dawn in the world. Um, and it's a serious, uh, episode of change on the block as well, right? This was quite an episode. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a big one. It's a milestone, shall we say. So we're at season five, episode 26, correct? Last Last exit to Ohio. 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 So yeah, this was um, this was something. There's a lot of big changes. There's a lot of change happening in this episode, I think. Yeah, and some serious change. Some serious change. Um, so I guess we should begin. Where to begin? Should we go with Matt? Because that was one that you know, yeah. one and done with yep. good old Matt. Almost, we're almost done with Matt right now, and we haven't even started. And you know, I was kind of like, honestly, I completely forgot that he was in this because it was sort of right at yeah, the very beginning. Bad. And yeah, that's about how it would be. And because wasn't wasn't he the cold open or no? He was no. I think that's Sam. Okay, but he was one of the first scenes. I think his one scene is like in the middle of the episode. No, I, I think it's like somewhere it in the middle of the second segment and that's that. Okay. But anyway. I had even forgotten it was there. And honestly, I was so curious after, like, it really felt like a cliffy with it. Cause I was kind of like digging the relationship that he was having with his niece. Yeah. All which of a seems sudden. to be very good. Yeah. Like they were talking about, like they were putting together a grocery list. She wanted to order junk food. He was like, no, well, she wanted to order out for dinner. He was like, no, we're going to go grocery shopping and get healthy stuff. And, and so it was like this kind of like cool back and forth where she was pushing back with like, she wanted like hot pockets and shit. Yeah, and he was yeah. like, no vegetables. Um, 
And she was like, well, if we're eating healthy and we're studying so hard, we need coffee. And he was like, okay. And like, you could just see like they had this really great relationship and rapport going, which, you know, obviously we didn't see much of last time. Um, we just no, didn't after their rocky to. start, now that yeah. she's back, things are okay. And so I was kind of like, well, I wonder how much time has passed, like, because that wasn't really clear. Um, but it was, you know, even though I wish we had seen a little bit more of their relationship growing, it was at least really nice to see that it had progressed this far. And then dun, dun, dun. Right. And everything's great. And it's going well. So now something else bad has to happen. Right. And so the phone rings and Chelsea picks it up. She has this sort of one-sided stilted conversation of yes, yes, well, I guess that's okay. And she hangs up and it turns out it's her long lost mother who is flying in from Paris to, to L.A. to bring her back to Paris with her. Yeah. And, and that's that all we fun. got. That's all we got. So stay tuned. I'm going to talk more about the actress who plays the mother in future episodes because I think she is a really great actress and you probably won't be able to tell from the storyline, but, but I will want to talk about her more. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, you know, I was... I was really kind of digging where we were going, and then we And they did don't not... take us any further. No, and this is where we stop. So that's it. We're done. Yeah. And I think we could say the same for Peter and Taylor. They didn't have much screen time either. No, but I think they get two scenes, but no, they are backburnered for this episode. Yeah. And, and, and again, kind of leaving us hanging because, you know, I hinted at it before. They're like showing a dark side of Peter and they kind of have finally opened the door a bit more to like what that darkness is going to be. And oh boy, is it a doozy. Yeah. So you had asked, I think, probably several times in the first half of the season about, oh, do we get ever talk more about Peter's first wife? Do we ever see the first wife? Um, so to answer your questions, yes and, and yes. Yes. And yes. And oh, what do I... I am trying to decide, I'm still trying to decide if I like what they did here or if I don't like what they did here. Well, don't... Uh, I would say reserve judgment to see a bit more of how it continues, how it how it escalates right it's just i'm just just okay um we will get into it and then i'll sort of explain what i mean okay um so, so basically oh go ahead well i was gonna say this all kicks off because peter has a dream yeah while in bed with taylor right i mean they're sleeping but yes yeah, still living together still in the same bed yeah we get that fuzzy camera dream sequence and basically, and he is in bed with his dead wife, and they're having this big old conversation, and um, and and she starts saying, um, "Okay, Peter, ravish me." And it's like it's clear that they have this great marriage, and like he's in love with her, and she's in love with him, and she's going, "Okay, ravish me." And so he's like, "Okay," and I guess he like rolled over and tried to ravish Taylor, and it woke her up, and she was like, "What are you doing?" And I need, you know, more. I, 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 you know, first thing in the morning, we need to you get to give me more time. And he is kind of embarrassed and like, yeah, I was just having a dream. And uh, yeah, and I don't want to ravish you. Um, but he doesn't say that. Um, and then the next, I mean, and then they, they just kind of had a had a moment where she like hugs him because it was a bad dream, I guess, or she thinks it was a bad dream. Um, but I think that he's more upset mm -hmm. that he woke up and his 
you know, dead wife wasn't there. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's when he sort of turns into crazy Peter, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah um, we only see them one other time and it's at Sid's boutique. I don't know why Peter takes Taylor there of all places. Um, but he wants her, he wants to buy her some new clothes and she comes out of the changing room wearing one of them and, and he loves it, but but she's like, I feel like this is something my sister would have worn. So he's like doing a whole vertigo thing, and he's dressing Taylor like her long years dead dun, sister dun, Beth. Dun. Yeah. So he, and it was sort of you know interesting because he was like, well, they don't usually carry these kinds of clothes, but Sam did me a favor and made a special order. So it like it makes it very clear that whatever he she is going to be dressed in, it's not going to be the sort of L.A. Casual. modern chic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's going to be it's going to be something that would not be carried at sort of like a you know hip L.A. boutique, right. which is probably like not what the snake Taylor skin wears. we're used to seeing. Yeah, or the Lord jumpsuits, or yeah, the, you know. which is the real laws. Yeah, <laughs> the, the halter top that she was wearing with the little teeny tiny mini skirt, um, you know. And I mean, it was weird though because she doesn't come out in like an outfit. She comes out in like pajamas. Yeah, which I thought was really kind of funny. Um, but you know, she comes out in like this sort of, I guess, <laughs> nightgown. It's like a silk nightgown and a silk robe, um, which actually looked like very Victoria's Secret, but. Um, mm -hmm. but was apparently conservative. I guess it had a lot of lace. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, so now we start to sort of see Peter is now trying to turn her into, um, into his dead wife. And so I can't decide if I like that or, or if it just is going to be stupid. Um, I, I don't, I, I think it's both in the end. <laughs> okay. because ultimately, I kind of feel like once again, well, we didn't get enough of a setup for this. No, if there's like, not, one, there, there three, hasn't been. Yeah. No. Yeah. But you like, know what I think? It's not enough. What? I think, I think Jack Wagner probably does not sell this storyline enough in the coming episodes. And I think that Rinna like devours it wholeheartedly and does sell it. So I think that's, and you may fall differently on that, but I think that's the divide for me. It's just like, it's ridiculous and it comes out of nowhere, perhaps, but I think I like the Taylor part more than the Peter part of the story. Well, I'm not surprised because I think we had talked about this last week where we don't... About Jack Wagner? That, yeah, we don't think yeah. that Jack Wagner does this type of role very well. Like when yeah. he's sort I of... I think he's in over his head with this stuff. Yeah. yeah, like he needs to be that kind of happy-go-lucky kind of jokey you know lead role then yeah, he's like shot, wonderful yeah. yeah but when you when you sort of force him to go down a dark path this is this is not where his acting chops lie right now i'm also going to mention someone else later on who is also in over their head so stay oh <laughs> sam i'm not going to say who until we get there it isn't oh. sam because you know <laughs> 
my baseline for Sam is so subterranean. But if that was an intentional segue, it's a good one. We should probably talk more about Sam's storyline now. Okay, let's talk about Sam. So her dad is back. Her uh, dad is bad news. Yeah, bad dad has uh, come to L.A. Um, and I, I don't know about this one either. Oh, God, Karen, this is one of the worst things the show's ever done. <laughs> yeah. I would, and and this this show is gone. And we're, to, and we're yeah. just getting started. No, this his entrance is really one of the worst things these writers have concocted. Ah, so once again, I need to remind everyone that the original backstory for Sam was that she had the happiest, most idyllic life out on the shores of Maryland, growing up eating crab. Yeah, I have to believe that someone in the writers' room, like, is from the Eastern Shore. Because they just keep throwing that in there and crabs as much as they can, um, like almost to just show that they know more than, you know, Hollywood. Just or somebody in, was hungry. Really yeah. Somebody really wanted crabs. Or maybe that. Yeah. 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 So, um, so basically, her dad is fresh out of jail. Do we know what he did? I think he said he held up a liquor store. Okay. Because he was like, he had to, you know, he was down on his luck and didn't have an option. Then that's why. And so he held up the store and that's why they took him in. Right, right, right. So, um, so dad is going to crash on the couch. Um, Billy is kind of like, what the fuck? You know, very confused, but that's kind of like what he does best. So we'll just let him be confused. (laughs) So at first it just seems normal. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and but he's really confused, and Sam is kind of uncomfortable that her dad is there. Well, she should be. She's definitely uncomfortable at her dad being there, but she's also siding with him. She's not. She's she's not really uh, giving Billy uh, as much as she could, given that this is his apartment. She's just moved in, and all of a sudden, her ex-con dad is also inviting himself in. And this is kind of where the little alarm bells started going off because Billy goes to bed and they are and Sam and her dad kind of stay out in the living room and talk a little bit more. And and they're finally and and he says something to her like, well, don't worry, whatever happened between us before that's going to I'm going to keep that between that's going to stay between us. And Billy doesn't ever have to know. And I was like, oh, fuck, here we go again. Please don't tell me that this is another one of those Allison plots. Right, right. But I don't think it is. No, it's not. And quite frankly, if they were doing a storyline like this now, it would be because writers love breaking taboos like that. No, it doesn't go there. It's really just about the fact that her dad is scum and a criminal. Right. And then we uh, learn a bit more about why Sam feels beholden to him. Right. Um, but first he shows up at uh, the boutique. A lot of action in the boutique this uh, this yeah. episode. Yeah, from, from, like from not regular characters. Uh, he shows up at the boutique and, um, and he's looking for money because he wants to get some beer and shaving cream. And so Sam is like, you know, well, how much do you need me to float you? And he's like, how about a hundred bucks? And I was like, wow, beer and shaving cream did not cost a hundred bucks back then. No, they don't even cost that much now. I unless know. you go like somewhere really high end. 
I know. But Correct. Sam's only got 50 bucks, but she stupidly gives it to him. Sid watches the whole thing, and you know she's back there, like, sort of, like, you know, hanging on to her checkbook going, you better yeah. not steal from me. Well, for other reasons, too, that we'll get into, but yes. yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Did you find? I, I'm again. I'm finding this whole storyline again super weird. Um, well, are you finding it weird because you think there are a lot of creepy elements, or just because it's so out of the blue and, yeah. and really retcons our understanding of Sam, which is kind of more of, I think, where I was when I first saw it in real time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I just hate it from all sides, quite frankly. Yeah, it is so out of the blue. And I guess it is kind of creepy, but I mean, you know, Melrose has gone creepy before, and that's fine. Uh, we can deal yeah, with that. they have. Um, and I want to say, you know, Tony Dennison is the actor who's playing Jim, Sam's dad. And he's been better, I think, than we see him here, too. I mean, I think he's an example of, like, he doesn't really know how to own sort of, like, the half-assed character that has been written for him. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's so, uh, you know, between direction and writing and performance, he's he's kind of overdoing it. But the character is, uh, you know, like, like pure two dimensional bad guy to begin with. And of course, like Brooke Langton really doesn't know what to do to ground this. Um, so the whole th I mean, like, I think the whole thing is just off the rails from the start. And suddenly, like, Billy is so astute in his sort of, like, evaluation of this guy, you know, and he's completely mistrusting, and he's completely like, this isn't a good dude, and Sam, like, what's going on? You know what I mean? Like, he just doesn't want this guy around. And and again, like, I'm just kind of like, I don't know that Billy would be that clever right off the bat. Uh, no, I, I would say, like, eventually there might be signs, but this quickly, I wouldn't think, I think he'd actually be on really good behavior because no matter what, this is his girlfriend's dad and he too would want to make a good impression and not see whatever signs Sam would instantly pick back up on. Right, right. So, you know, when Billy comes home after the dad asks for money from Sam, which I guess it was to go purchase some chipped beef, which is what he's making for dinner. I think he, was, I think he probably did buy beer and then also bought, bought other food because he was making dinner for three. Yeah, yeah, because it was some big celebration. I don't think we ever got told what they we were celebrating. I think exactly. it was his release. Or oh, like, is that what it is? I think it was just, you know, like him reuniting with his daughter or him being in town with her. I, I don't think it was anything, like, other than that. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, so Billy's already miffed because he said, well, I was pretty clear I was bringing home Chinese food. And then we have, like, this weird undercurrent where, like, the dad is like, well, we're going to have good old American chip beef. And I'm like, okay, are we going to start saying something racist here? Or uh, like that they left, they kind of left that dangling. Like I was like, are we getting into like a white supremacist subplot? Are we? No, because I didn't think people would have thought in those terms 24, 25 years ago. But it's oh, enough right. that like, it's a pissing contest. The dad is staking his territory. He's like, you may live here, but I'm taking it over. When I come home with food, I make it and you eat it. And that sort of thing. Uh, okay. It's enough, right. it's enough that I think that's what Billy is also picking up on, which is like, you know, you may think you're an adult in here, but I'm going to make this my house. Gotcha. Um, so he goes, I guess, into the spare bedroom. When did this turn into a two bedroom? No, it was a two bedroom because it was when Billy and Allison originally lived there. Oh, 
right. So Billy's, I'm assuming that Billy moved back into what was his old bedroom and turned Allison's bedroom into the studio that Sam had been using briefly. But that studio is now going to be Jim's room. Yeah, and so it looks like Jim is going to have an extended stay because they're moving him off the couch. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And and so Billy, I guess, is kind of like not thrilled with the guy being there and and says something to Sam about it and she's basically that's when she admits that she's the one that turned her dad over to the police and so yeah, she Yeah, well before guilty. that she like she like flips out on Billy and she's like accuses him of being classist and is like you think oh, I'm just right, right. short trash and you know you're like middle class from the village from, excuse me from um, oh, the yeah, valley about that. and and then that very quickly changes into her being like look I'm the one who testified against my dad. I'm not going to throw him out. Um, right. She and calls then they actually trash. She something. does. Yeah. 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 Um, and then they then they show Jim in the room listening to them fight with a big smile on his face that the chaos he has begun to cause. So I guess that was the big secret was that she turned him in. Yeah, I think so. All right. He's and he's guilting her with it. Okay. Um, so that's, you know, not the secret anymore, and that's how we leave it, and I could care less at this point. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a dumb storyline, um, but I think it will grow more frustrating for you. Oh, good. But I want to say something that I should hold on to, but I'll, I'm worried I'll forget. So, do you remember almost 30 years ago, the whole Amy Fisher, Long Island Lolita? Yes. Um, thing? Yes, of Well, course. they made three... TV movies about it that ran on the big three networks on ABC, NBC, CBS all at the same time during like that November sweeps of like 92 or 93, whichever it was. Tony Dennison played one of the Joey Buttafuoco's in, oh. in those movies. Oh. Now his Amy Fisher was Drew Barrymore. But wow. On another network, one of the other Amy Fishers was Alyssa Milano who will be joining our show before season's end. So just a little TV geography for you there. Now, when Alyssa Milano came on, I think that's when I started watching, I guess, because, you know, I picked, I was an on and off watcher. And Mm -hmm. so um, I watched a bit for Rinna. And then when Milano came in, I started watching again. But again, it was very short-lived. Yeah. I mean... She's, yeah, she's not on forever anyway, but yeah. 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 But um, she will be joining very, very soon. So I, th- I suspect I might remember some plot lines, um, maybe, or there'll be some familiarity. I bet, I'm, I'm sure something must come back. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, shall we move on? Yeah, I mean, we already talked about it a little bit. Let's talk more about Sid. Oh, Sid. <laughs> this was the best storyline. Well, I was gonna say in 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 an episode that sort of had a lot of heavy things going on. Um, hers was definitely the only one that made me laugh. I mean, this is class. This was classic, Sid. We have our girl back. Um, yeah. And honestly, they could. This is one of those storylines where I wish they just dragged this thing out. I know. 
<laughs> yeah, I, yeah. If this could have taken over more of the season, I would have been happy too. I would not have, because you know she really did meet her foil with uh, what's her name? Crazily, um, Hilda. With, Hilda. Uh, yeah. From Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So Hilda is the lady that fell in the uh, in the boutique, um, and she is now suing Sid because for her pain and suffering because she is all in a wheelchair and, and in a cast, um, which, you know, Sid is rightfully saying is bullshit. Um, so how did we, oh, oh, I guess they started in, in the store, not well, there's the a house, scene, right? There's a scene in the store, right? There's yeah. that scene we were talking about where Jim walks into the store, um, where Sid is like complaining again to Sam about she knows that like Hilda is faking it so all she needs is a lawyer and she knows that Sam had that lawyer from before that was a friend of hers that that did work for free she's like so he could do this for me for free and Sam is like well <laughs> this is a big deal case he's not going to do this for zero dollars but what's funnier there is that the whole reason Sam went to that lawyer was because Sid was trying to evict her from yeah. the apartment that her name was on <laughs> yeah which was like great it was like okay Sid go ahead yeah yeah that's why you want the lawyer um, yeah interestingly and maybe this had happened before and I didn't pick up on it. When Jim does walk into the store and Sam is introducing him, um, Sydney introduces herself as Sydney Andrews, not Sydney yeah. Andrews Mancini. I noticed that. And she was Andrews in the courthouse, too. Right. Which I feel like is a change. Uh, definitely, because she was always Mancini. For and years, now, had always yeah. been Sydney Andrews Mancini. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I'm wondering... Um, uh, you know, when they decided to, I mean, are they just going to pretend that she and Michael were never married? I mean, they might as well, because one of my frustrations is that they don't interact at all this season. So they kind of already have. Yeah. So, yeah, I had I had noticed that indeed. Um, so anyway, um, Sid can't afford a lawyer. So she decides that she's going to get the proof uh, that this lady is faking it. And this is amazing. <laughs> I mean, this is prime safe for sure. And so she's sitting in front of this woman's house in her car, kind of like with her like eyes, sunglasses peeping up over the, you know, through the window. She's kind of like leaning over, trying to hide. And she sees like the postal guy put mail in the woman's mailbox and she's sitting in her... um on her porch in her wheelchair, all, you know, cast, casts all over the place. And so Sid then catches her getting up out of the wheelchair, walking down the steps and going to the mailbox and actually kind of running to the mailbox a bit. Yeah. And Sid is like, oh, yeah. And she, like, leans over and picks up this enormous video camera. Yeah. Because back then they, they were enormous. Um, and starts filming but the the camera's making all this weird noise and so yeah, and she it's keeps, like eating the tape yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so she like rips the tape out and she's just got like all of this tape all over the place and she starts and like she's making so much noise starts like screaming in anger <laughs> and so the hilda looks over and she sees that she's been caught you know and so she she 
pitches a fit and lays on the ground and you know but but Sid's kind of fucked because she doesn't have the proof the proof is has fallen apart and they're yeah, very she's hands. out of herself and didn't get the proof that she needs for what is rightfully you know like her defense right but um but that doesn't stop Sid when she goes to that courthouse um, and represents herself <laughs> goes in front of the judge she's her own lawyer and she says I have proof that this woman's lying and the judge is like well where is it and she's like well the tape got damaged and then it becomes this sort of back and forth where you know where the woman's lawyer is like look we have a restraining order against her like Sid's kind of in hot water here yeah she's really done it to herself yeah yeah so she keeps saying she's a fake she's a fake but she's kind of you know she's kind of screwed um and she's but she's gonna she insists that she is going to get proof and she is going to foil this woman's plot but then oh said instead what happens (laughs) is So the the woman's lawyer rolls her out of the courthouse and um, she's sort of stuck at the top of the stairs. And so he leaves to go get some help uh, to take well, her well, down. He says, oh, he says, oh, I forgot. This is the side that doesn't have ramps. Let me go in and see if we can get a guard to help you or something like that. Yeah. So he yeah. just strands her in her wheelchair at the top of the stairs while it's, Sid is right nearby. It's so, and so Sid thinks it's a great idea to confront her. Yeah, and, does not know. learn. Yeah, no, doesn't learn. Once again, you're faking it. You're faking it. Confronts her. Forces, like, I think, doesn't she physically grab the woman and forces her to stand up? She's trying to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She grabs the chair and she does grab her arm or something, yeah. Yeah, and she's basically, like, yelling at her about how she's lying. And then you see that woman look at the stairs and look at Sid and look at the stairs again. And you just know, you know (laughs) it's going to happen. And she throws herself down the stairs. She throws herself down the stairs and it looks like Sid did it. And guess who happens to be walking by when that happens? His honor himself. The The judge. judge. So basically the next time Sid goes to court, the judge is basically like, you're fucked. And you better settle. Well, Well, yeah, because, yeah, he's basically like, now we have even more charges. Um... And if I were you, I would just settle now. And they're like, and she's like, well, how much is it now? And the, I think the other lawyer says, oh, it'll be at least a million. She's like, well, I don't have that money. And they're like, well, you'll end up having to pay even more. Um, so she agrees to settle. And the next thing we see is they close on the boutique and take all of Sid's money. And she's talking to Sam and she's like, they took, you know, like my investiture <laughs> in, in the meadow, in the, in Burns Mancini, my yeah. porn money. And you see <laughs> Sam react to her a little bit. Um, and of course, Sam is pissed. Cause now Sam too is out of a job. Right. Right. But Sid of course is like, I don't want to hear your sob story. What look at me. I lost everything, including my porn money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Always uh, sympathetic oh, just to her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, out of nowhere, out comes the lawyer. Um, Hilda's yeah. lawyer shows up and he's and and he's like, you know, it's, it's like, don't I don't I hope you're not here to gloat. Like, I don't you know, get away from me. And the lawyer, though, um, tells her that Hilda has up and moved to Florida 
and with uh, all of her millions, yeah, with you know all of Sid's money, and that um, that he needs a new he needs a new scam. Like he basically admits yeah, like that this it was guy a scam. Is, this guy is a, a supreme ambulance chaser. Yeah. So and, so he's like, I just need someone new to help me find a mark. And, and you're I, I think and you could be that person. Yeah. Yeah, and he's and like, tag, you're, you're it. Yeah, he's like, you're you would be really good at this, and. Um, you know, and it turns out that Hilda was a stunt woman, and that's how she was able to fall down the stairs like that. Right. Poor Sid. Yeah, Leave it to Sid. Poor, but, literally poor Sid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Sid is like basically like, you know, screw you. Um, I'm not doing this. This is, you know, this is unconscionable. Like she just is like, no, get away from me. But um, but she's in a pickle. Yeah. You know, Sid has nothing. Want her rent. Sid's she's been brought real low. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's in a pickle. So I have a feeling she might be calling that lawyer. Yeah, I feel like we haven't seen the last of it. And I think that might be great because Sid could really get up to some good stuff. Yeah, I think it does lead into some good stuff. Yeah. And also it also takes her back to a little bit of, of you know, like mid-series Sid. And I think that that's really good because I don't think Sid belonged at the boutique. No, no, you're right. She didn't. It wasn't, it wasn't the right. Yeah, yeah. No, she, she needs to be out there meddling. Yeah. That's so stay tuned there. Yeah. Oh, God, where, where else are we? I think we have to talk about Allison. Yeah. So we left off, and in fact, I, I think our cliffhanger last week was... She was going through some severe pains um, after having gone in and done that like day long pitch meeting at D and D. Um, so we see her in the hospital with her doctor, who says that you know she's experiencing toxemia. That that's why there's high blood pressure, um, and she's you know the body is reacting with extreme stress to the pregnancy, and the baby is in danger. Right. So they're like, you need to stay here and we're going to observe you. And Allison blames herself and says, if anything happens, she will never forgive herself. And then we get a kind of fun scene because Allison is like, oh, distract me. Tell me about some people around the, you know, like, tell me about what's going on at the apartment. So it's, again, similar to what we had going on um, before where Allison was, you know, like playing rear window and, and like eavesdropping on all of her neighbors. <laughs> um, and Jake is like, you know, he first catches her up on like everything about Sam. He's like, yeah, her dad showed up. Uh, Billy's kind of weird about it. And I'm like, you know, there's no reason Jake would know any of this. This is just like the writers doing something kind of cute. But it makes sense because Sam and Billy have essentially become their couple friend. That So he says Sam stopped by shooters to talk to me. And I'm like, okay. I guess that makes sense. In the middle right. of everything going on, she stopped by, talked to Jake, see what's going on with Allison. Okay. I wish we'd see more of Sam and Allison as friends because I actually like them as buds. But okay, makes sense. Meanwhile, then Jake moves on and starts talking about Sid's latest shenanigans involving the camera and the car and all the tape getting messed up. And it's fun watching Allison be like, yeah, that's the good stuff. Um, and unfortunately, that moment is too short lived. Because that's when Allison goes into really extreme pain and starts seizing. Then we come back and 
the doctor delivers the very sad news that they have to terminate this pregnancy in order just to save Allison's life. So then she leaves and Allison apologizes again and Jake reasons with her. He's like, don't worry about it. You didn't do anything wrong. You have to do the surgery to save your life. I love you. Blah, 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 blah. The surgery goes fine. And Jake is talking about, you know, like they can try again. And then Allison goes, well, about that. The doctor told me that thing that they keep saying in all these Aaron Spelling shows, which is you had one problem and now you can never have children. You can never carry a child again. Um, which is actually, I think, didn't Kimberly have similar infertility problems? Didn't they all? Um, didn't Jane? Yeah, I can't remember. I know, I remember Jane miscarried. I can't remember if they said that too. But around the same time that this happens to Allison Parker, it also happened to Kelly Taylor, the Jenny Garth character on 90210. Like, literally the same time on, like, those two sibling shows. Oh, wow. Um, and, um, and Allison's like, I know you said you wanted to have a family. And he's like, no, what are you talking about? I'm not going to leave you. I love you. Sure, we can adopt. And she goes, okay, well then, if that's the case, will you marry me? And he accepts. Yeah. Um, so there we go. Serious storyline. Moving on. Yeah, you know, what I mean, this one, that one was so, you knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it kind of would have been more interesting if they had a baby on Melrose Place, because at this point we've had so many babies, you know, that have disappeared. That come and go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that it would have been a shocker if that baby had stuck around. Um, but there we go. Yeah. It, it, yeah, exactly. Um yeah, but, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I'm just kind of weary of the lost baby storyline at this point with Melrose, because they've just done it too many times. I agree. Yeah, so moving on. Moving on. Okay, so there's some stuff with Amanda dealing with both Craig and Kyle. Um, you know, he hits on Amanda from across the courtyard, and I don't care. And then he takes her to Old Town Pasadena to go to this club opening. And as they're about to leave, Amanda sees Kyle sitting by the pool, drinking alone, and she invites him, much to Craig's chagrin, to tag along. So it ends up being, you know... A triple. Uh, a triple. A triple. A triple. Uh, well, not quite a triple. But, um, <laughs> they're because <laughs> they're not all they're not all interested in it mainly being craig you know yeah, and he and kyle kind of, yeah craig and kyle have like some some words to a little bit craig's being kind of pissy and kyle is blessedly able to just serve it right back to him um and and ultimately we see uh amanda does go on, on the dance floor with craig but while she's there she's pretty much making eyes with kyle the whole time yeah so I don't know if you've picked up on this yet, Karen, but there may be a future for Amanda and Kyle. I think that there might be, and I kind of am okay with that. I rather like these two together. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I, I mean, I, I think that there is something, there. I, I like it better than Peter and Amanda. I like it better than Taylor and Kyle. Um, I feel like there's a nice spark that is kind of growing between them, and I also feel like the friendship is there that we didn't necessarily see 
see with their other pairings, like an actual genuine like and respect between the two of them. Yeah, the, the respect is actually the key thing because we never see that between like any characters. They're usually there just because the sex is good or there's a savior complex thing going on. But um, no, they like actually started by disliking each other because their marriages were falling apart and were linked. Um, but now they come to like sort of like respect and show genuine interest in each other, uh, yeah. which, which is nice. Um, mm -hmm. And and they're kind of like they're at the same level, you know. It's not like one is playing parent to the other, or feels like they're babysitting the other, making like dumb or rash decisions. Um, they both seem like decent, interesting on the up and up kind of of characters. Um, and then there is one other scene with the two of them, which is um, Kyle runs into Amanda again in the courtyard and she discusses Allison and someone else that we're about to discuss, discuss, talk about. And she's like, yeah, you know, all this stuff really helps put things in perspective. And I was like, well, we never see them talking about, like, they have any knowledge of what's going on in these, like, siloed storylines. So again, I, I wanted to applaud that. And it was a, just a nice moment between the two of them. Yeah, there seems to have been a lot of catch up between characters, um, you know, with with Jake and Allison, you know, like these sort of like, you know, these these little recounts of the storyline. Which are things um, we just haven't had happen. Yeah, yeah. Which and I'm in the past we didn't need to because they were all entwined and they all knew what was going on all the time. And now that they're all separate, that's just been status quo all season. And then all of a sudden the last few episodes were like, oh, Let's show these characters talking about the ones they know about but aren't seeing, which is nice. Yeah, and I wonder why they did that. I feel like someone woke up and was like, well, let's at least try and connect it a little bit. Right. Right. I'm glad they did. I, I mean, I'll never know why, but I'm glad they did. So, yeah, so I think between Sid and Sid's storyline and the Amanda Kyle pairing, like those, those are the reasons why I keep going back every week. Well, that and the fact that I have to do this podcast with you, but um, blame but, it on me, blame <laughs> it on Doug. It's fine. But but I like they're the they're the reasons to keep coming back every week. Um, yeah, I would say so. And let's face it, it is way better than season four when there is no reason, no reason to keep coming back. I almost gave up. Yeah, I, it's season four is a clear low point. Yeah, I almost gave up. I almost gave up. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I, I'm glad I carried you through it. I don't know what to. Yeah, I don't know it. what to say. We did it because we had to do it. Yes, we did it for you. We, did we it hope for you, you appreciated. Okay, oh. Michael, Megan, Kimberly. This was the big one. Here we are. Remember, guys, how for almost the entire season now, we've had this triangle because Kimberly pushed Michael into Megan's arms, then found out she was dying, then wanted to really push them into each other's arms, then found out she wasn't dying and wanted them back. And we thought, oh, there has to be more here. Oh, hopefully there will be something good. Um, we've basically reached the end of that storyline, and I'm of the opinion that nothing good came of it. I would agree. I would agree. It felt a little bit, um, kind of felt a little bit of a, like a waste. Total lost opportunity. Let's you know, keep in mind that Michael and Kimberly have carried this show during the height of, of, of you know, 
of, of it's season yeah. four. <laughs> you know, well, like season four. Yeah, but like all of the seasons, like it was all like Kimberly drove all of the plots that people talked about. Yeah, and this is her. I mean, this is what they do to her. I mean, this is kind of yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Let's let's just recap what happens, and then we can tear into it. Okay. Um, so I guess where we ended up with Kimberly last, um, they were they called Michael called her mother, Kimberly's mother, or Megan called Kimberly's mother. Somebody called Kimberly. Michael, no, Megan told Michael to call her, and he's like, he called her. He's like, I know you hate me, but I have to tell you something, which is basically. Kimberly is taking a quick turn for the worse. Yeah. And so now Kimberly has come to L.A. Um, and uh, uh, Kimberly's mom. Kimberly's mom, sorry, has come yeah. to L.A. Um, and Michael is dreading it. And and yet here she is. Uh, the minute he dreads it, she shows up. It's funny. He goes, what, there's no traffic from the airport? It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and she is really, um, Kimberly's mom is very nasty to both Michael and Megan. Um, Megan is essentially guilty by association. Yeah, yeah, basically. And then she, um, you know, and then she goes to see her daughter, who, by the way, I must say, whatever they did with Kimberly's makeup to make her look ghastly, they did a great job. I think it's all in the eyes. You know, it's it goes back to, like, Betty Davis and Dark Victory in those pictures. Like, all that, like, dark shading under the eyes. Like, her face looks so pale and hollowed out. That it all of a sudden looks like Kimberly, who just an episode earlier was still ready to fight for Michael, uh, is now knocking on Death's door. Yeah. Oh, no, and it, also the lips. They paled out her lips oh, and they made them look kind of dry. It was great. Anyway. Um, so I guess they have a candlelit dinner all together at the beach house that Megan cooks um, to, I don't know, have a heart to heart with the mom. So it's four of them and uh, at the beach house eating dinner. And uh, that's when Kimberly says that she's going to go back to Cleveland. Right. Because there are specialists there that can maybe take care of her um, better than L.A. And and she just thinks that, that that's where she needs to be. And Michael is dead against this. Yeah, for kind of no reason. He's, like, obstinate. And it's like, why does he now want her to stay? But, but this, they're going to take the train back. Um, and the mom also, again, lays into Megan and she's like, watch out. Nothing good comes from this man. Not totally wrong. Um, <laughs> and, and they leave and Kimberly is sad that like, she's not even really going to be able to say goodbye. Right. Because I guess they're getting on a train the next day. Um, and, and this is like her last moments with Michael, the man that she loves, uh, were basically like an argument between you know him and his mom and him sort of like digging in and saying she shouldn't leave and her saying right. she is going to leave yeah um so that's when i guess the next night um the mom goes out to run errands i guess pre-travel errands yeah and she's out kimberly, of the house for whatever reason. yeah and kimberly takes that opportunity to call megan and basically says can you come pick me up i want to see michael before i leave i just want to say goodbye um, and so Megan agrees and goes and goes to pick her up and, um, and then what and they're in the driveway 
Yeah, like she gets her out to the driveway. They're inches from a clean getaway, and the mom returns and sees them. So they're kind of stuck, and Mary and the mom is is yelling at Kimberly and like and Megan. She's like, "How dare you? What do you think you're trying to do?" And well, she's lecturing them. That's when Kimberly collapses, um, and very quickly turns very weak. And you know, she apologizes to her mother and says that she loves her. And then she's dead. Like, that's yeah. it. Kimberly's dead. Like, if you went into this episode, I don't think you were aware that she had even officially taken a turn for the worse. And yet, before the episode's even over, before we're three quarters of the way done with the episode, Kimberly, the great villain and arguably great heroine of the entire series, is dead. I mean, so many times they had her knocking on Death's door. And so many, so many times, times they brought, they her, brought back. her back from the dead. <laughs> <laughs> and this is how she goes out. Yeah. Total whimper. Yeah. And also, again, side Because while, so that was the other thing I was saying. Amanda also mentions Kimberly's death to Kyle. And she's like, a friend of mine, Kimberly Shaw died. It's like, bitch, you guys were never friends. I know. Kimberly tried to kill her. I mean, Amanda doesn't have friends anyway, but yeah, Kimberly tried to steal her man and kill her. Yeah. <laughs> um, and put her in a mental hospital. and Like, she did terrible things to her. Yeah. And, um, but, but this is what we get. We don't have, we don't get anyone, any side characters, reactions, especially Sid. Obviously, Jane is already off the show. All the people that we want to really be there in some way when this happens are not there. And that, of course, includes Michael, who is kind of the opposite of what we want him to be. We see him stoic when Megan tells him about the funeral arrangements, which are going to be in Cleveland. Um, and he says he doesn't even feel guilty about anything, that she was crazy and that was that. But then... Well... He between scenes, something we don't see you know, triggers a change of heart. And he runs after them right on the Amtrak platform and stops right before they get on the train with Kimberly in the casket. Um, and that's when Mary and the mom actually finally breaks down. And she isn't just spewing anger and hate, but, but actual grief. Um, and it's actually a nicely played scene. Um, and they open the casket and there's bugle music there's like you know a melrose version of taps playing in the background um the whole time um and michael says his goodbye to kimberly um and then they embark and load up onto the train and the train takes off uh as we're left with a fade on michael breaking down and crying as the the train goes away karen this is the worst fake crying I've ever seen. You know, I don't even think that I watched this little bit. I think I was probably like on my phone checking my and email. looking away. Yeah. Because that's how we're into it. Yeah. 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 I was like, I was like, okay, she dead. Like that's kind of how it was. It's such a, I mean, it's, it's, it really just seems like the writing staff just thought, all right, you know what, let's just march on in with our new storylines and our new characters and, and move on with them out with the old. Um, it is, like, yeah. It, there should have been a Terry goodbye. It's and such then a disservice. There's no yeah. fan service here at all for any of the characters, for any of the grief that 
Kimberly has created, like, obviously, in addition to Jane, Joe is off the show, and, like, they were not positioned to have people respond to the death of Kimberly, but, like, we didn't get any melodramatic goodbyes. I mean, it's it's Kimberly in scenes with Megan, which, you know, Megan, you're new. I don't care so much about you and how you feel about Kimberly. And it's like, you know, there have all been all sorts of ways, like you were saying, for, like, Kimberly flirting with death here and cheating death here. And it's like, well, she had a brain tumor and the brain tumor came back and she's dead. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. It I is feel an like epic failure. They could have made more. And I don't know, maybe they were, wor- maybe they were suddenly worried about being cliche if they gave them this melodramatic goodbye, you know, between I know, Michael and Kimberly. I watched, the, I watched like the Allison storyline and I watched the Sam storyline. So I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe for this one, they were like, oh, it's the melodramatic goodbye. It's so cliche. Let's do this instead. But like, yeah, I felt completely cheated. Like Michael should have had his teary moment with, with uh, with Kimberly, and then they could have maybe played that up with Megan too, because how is she supposed to feel about that? Sure, you can you can definitely roll that into a whole new storyline. Absolutely, but no, and it's like it was like, and now she's dead. Right uh, now, I know. believe I believe at least Peter says something about it in the next episode, but like again. Peter has been pretty involved with all the Kimberly storylines and we don't get to see him with Kimberly alive either. Well, yeah. And we never, but he hasn't with everything going on with Kimberly this past, the past couple of episodes, he has been completely checked out, which is, well, he's been busy turning to the dark side anyway. I he's guess been so. focusing on Taylor, but again, find a way to reintegrate them, even if just momentarily. Yeah, because that... Have her go into the hospital and have, like, Peter and Matt, you know, somehow say something. If it's not forgiveness of her, then it's at least, like, they can call back to, you know, how Kimberly tried to have Matt, like, hate crime murdered. Uh, you know, something like yeah. the good old days like that. Have Allison in the hospital talking to Kimberly and putting something in perspective because, you know, Kimberly blinded her. Like, you could have done something and then had a very, like, satisfying final exit well, this is pretty in big. a way though because they tried to redeem kimberly i f- also feel like we were cheated of we were we were cheated of those moments where everybody could have shown up and been like yeah remember when you blinded me you bitch remember mm. when you, you know what i mean like we were because you can't now that they've tried to redeem her over and over again um but have really sort of done that you know pretty hard it feels like you, you you couldn't we couldn't go back to that. But don't you also think in the last lap they fucked up the redemption part by having oh, Megan, yeah. bring down Megan? Yeah. Oh yeah, completely. Well, they well you know what it was like they forgot that it was almost like they forgot that they were re- trying to go down that redemption path because then because they would she would do something awful and then she would be like, but I love you, Megan, and, and I feel bad about that, and I yeah. feel terrible about this, and I don't mean to do this. It's just I love Michael so much, but I don't want to do this to you because you're my friend and I care about you. And so there was a lot of yeah. mis- mixed messaging going on with that too. So even though she was never truly redeemed, I still feel like she had gone through that redemption process enough that it would have been really hard to even bring these characters back for their, you know, for yeah. I mean, there's no. 
a way that wouldn't have been clumsy, but nonetheless, it's dissatisfying. It was dissatisfying. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go, guys. Really should be a monumental episode, the death of Kimberly Shaw. And yet, it's not. We're talking more about Amanda and Kyle going dancing than we are about Kimberly's life coming to an end. Well, that was more exciting. I mean, like... (laughs) What? Life goes on. <laughs> and Sid's, you know, potentially potential new job. Like those were completely more exciting than Kimberly dropping dead. I mean, I was kind of like, oh, fucking finally. Yeah, that's basically what they left you with. I know, and like they opened the casket, so she's gonna stay dead this time. Oh, yeah. well, she- no, there's no. Yeah, I think I, I think at the time people were like, oh, she can't really be dead. She's come back before. Uh, this time she's, like, officially dead. She's really dead. She's really dead. She's really dead. Goodbye, Kimberly. Goodbye, Kimberly. So, uh, I, there's one last thing before we sign off and drive on down to the boulevard that I wanted to reflect on Kimberly and put more of a positive spin on. And I wanted to do uh, top five best Kimberly moments and or storylines. And they are. I have five. I'm going to come up with five right in front of you. Um, Number five, in in climbing up to number one, number five is Kimberly sleeps with the pool guy. Do you remember that? Was he the crazy? Did he end up being the crazy guy? No, that was Vic from North Hollywood. He would probably be like number six on my list. Okay. Um, He's the one, Vic is the one that. He kidnapped her, and, and then they eventually, uh, he drove into the the gas tank right off PCH or whatever. Um, but the pool boy, because she was using her resources. The pool boy's there in every episode, and lo and behold, Kimberly's finally the one that that, that took him into her room. Um, number four would be her becoming a radio shrink, thanks yeah. to Dr. Joyce. Yes, that was good. That was good. Number three, the bombing. Yeah, of course. I'm surprised that's no, number number one. You might have thought that'd be number number one or number two, but I think more satisfying for me than num- than the bombing is her return from the dead in season two. Mm. When we first see her and the camera, like Michael and Sid have just married, and then we see the camera pull away, and there she is staring at them. That's a real WTF okay. OMG moment. I agree. So number one, and I think this is inarguably the most iconic moment, Kimberly takes off the wig. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's the day all the music stops. That, yeah. that is great gotcha TV because it's just so weird. I mean, that could have been on like <laughs> Twin Peaks. Yeah, it could have been on Twin. You're absolutely right. That could have that moment could have been on Twin Peaks. Oh, sayonara, Kimberly. Kimberly, R.I.P. Kimberly Shaw. We will miss you. Yeah, we will. All right, that's it, kids. We're gonna go to the boulevard. I have no yeah, idea what we're, we're talking talk about. about. Some more modern stuff. It's a mystery for Karen. So come join us and um, learn with her. Yeah. So then we will see you next week when we are back on the block.